Bryce, what are you doing? Trying to, you know, game. <laughs> what? This game is really hard. Pac-Man? Uh, yeah. Dude, you're supposed to be playing the game for next week's episode of Arcade Bookshop. I mean... <sighs> I will. I'm really close to beating this. Right. And what about the book? Huh? We're supposed to finish a book for the podcast, too? Oh, yeah. I finished that last week. Yes! Oh, did you finally beat it? Uh-huh. The first level. Oh, boy. You can listen to new episodes of Arcade Bookshop every other Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your pods. You'll always find us with a controller in one hand and a book in the other. Do you think there will ever be another major cinematic event that rivals the Marvel Infinity and Endgame? I mean, not just those two movies, but the whole run leading yeah. up to it, like everything. It'd be hard. Like it had, it, it would have to be something like a Lord of the Rings or something like you know. Taking, Lord of the Rings was the closest to that. Yeah, uh, but it would, it would, it would have been like you know, maybe maybe taking like some preconditioned like series or something. And making it into a movie or something like that. Or if DC could ever get their shit together and do it themselves. A proper version. Yeah. Because like I said, that was over a decade in the making. Yeah. I mean, the storytelling, and there was a few duds in there, but overall, the storytelling that led up to Endgame, it just made you care so much yeah. about almost every character mm -hmm. because they all had their own movies. You were invested in all the characters and their lives and what was mm -hmm. going on. And they brought them all together. Right. And then they fucking killed half of them which yeah. is a bold move yeah, and then it's like hey we're not gonna have another movie for a while well how long was that gap between well actually it wasn't even a long gap because it was the one of the spider-man movies came out shortly after that true so like because like, but that was set before right before the snap no it was after because it was there was like peter dealing with like the death of tony and seeing like his picture everywhere and, and stuff like that because like because like that was like because that's the one with um you know with everybody coming back from the different universes and stuff like that that was after Endgame yeah I was talking about before Endgame oh before Endgame well, the yeah, gap th between Infinity to Endgame was oh like, yeah like that you had to wait because there yeah, wasn't any there role. was there was like Captain Marvel. I think. They, yeah, that, yeah, Captain Marvel is the one saying, that's why they said it did so well, because it was like the big movie. In between, yeah, the movie that was in between. Because like a lot of people were saying like there should have been a break after uh, after Endgame. They should have let it settle. But like, but then when you got a big corporation yeah, like that, then may, 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 make, make it that billions money. of dollars. Yeah. Actually. But they should have let the dust settle. Mm -hmm. They should have let people just been able to take in everything that happened. Mm -hmm. So it had some stakes. Right. Because like you were just saying, I think off air is like, oh, they'll just bring them back anyway. Like you're talking yeah. about, you know, people being dead. They just bring them back now anyway. Well, and they're doing like the multiverse stuff now. So it can be different. Infinite version. version. Yeah. yeah. Um, because like the quote, unquote, I feel what the quote unquote problem is now with a lot of the stuff is like 
none of it after Endgame, all the though the shows and the couple movies they had aren't really like leading to anything or that nothing that you can really see right now. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm a fan of also having just some kind of good standalone things that don't have to worry about tying into everything else. But I think that's where they're having their issues now is that everything for almost a decade, 15 years led up to this moment. You did it. And like, it's just like, well, how are you supposed to top that now? Yeah. And do they, can they even replicate it? Right. Let alone top it. Can they even just have something on the, Something that can equal mm-hmm. not not just money wise, but can just equal that storytelling way. Yeah, you can't because all the favorite characters are pretty much gone, mm-hmm. um, and they don't want to. They don't want to recast the characters. so yeah. you could still use them. Um, I mean, the, they could bring if they did the X Men, they can start over pretty much with yeah. just X Men, not necessarily just the other Marvel characters. Or if they did the uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, that, well, that's what they're kind of hoping will help rejuvenize some of the stuff is bringing in the X-Men and the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four and, you know, all that stuff that they got from Fox and hopefully they can get whatever they're doing with, with Sony and have more Spider-Man movies that Marvel's making and not like the fucking shitty... Uh, Morbius? More, dude, did you fucking see There's something probably worse than Morbius coming down. They're doing a fucking Madam Web I saw the trailer, trailer for it, and, and it looks awful. It looks fan made. Yeah, it looks. I mean, and I'll I'll, I'll go see it because like I'm <laughs> just stupid because I'm stupid, <laughs> and I'll just and, and so that way then I can tell you guys why it's so goddamn terrible. But I, yeah, uh, it does not look good at all. I I've fallen off. I don't watch really any of those movies anymore. I did watch all the Guardians movies because mm-hmm. I like the first two, so I was like, I'll watch the third one. And I really liked that one too. I liked them all. Oh, the third were... one was so good. Like it was really good. So like they still were capable of making mm-hmm. these fucking movies. I enjoyed the Spider-Man movies, and that's probably about it. I mean, yeah. obviously, I'm probably gonna love Deadpool, but yeah, that's almost a separate thing. Well, and then cause that's another thing that's like the, the big debate with that stuff is like with the Guardians. You had gain, uh, James Gunn doing his thing. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, he's let him do his own style versus and, the Marvel style. And other than, like, John Favreau for the first couple Iron Man movies and uh, What's-His-Face for or the, the brother, the Rooster Brothers for, like, the Captain America movies and, and the last couple Avengers and Joss Whedon for, like... You can't tell me, like, who's the director for, like, the second Thor movie. Most of it's very formulaic. I mean, they, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the New Zealand guy. Oh, what, what, TD or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he did, like, the real, fu- like, Ragnarok I really liked. It was funny. But then I didn't watch the Love and Thunder, but I heard it, it was over. It was just too bad. It was too much, yeah. And then uh, they had, oh, fuck, who's the other one? Um, oh, Sam Raimi. Yeah, they let him come back, and he did Doctor uh, Strange, and it was almost good. Yeah, it was like I liked the visuals and what was going on, but I didn't really care for the movie. I like, didn't. You could tell it was a Sam Raimi's movie just by the cinematography, and yeah, and the way that it was filmed, but it didn't necessarily feel like a Sam Raimi story. Still followed the Marvel formula. Yeah. Well, you were talking about movie like just having one offs. Like Logan's a perfect example. Yeah. Because that was a really good movie that was very unique in the superhero genre as it wasn't really a superhero movie. And it was fine. Just It doesn't need a sequel or a mm-hmm. prequel. I mean, technically it had prequels, but, you know, or it was a sequel to the other Wolverine movies, yeah. but not really. Yeah. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. I like when they do movies like that. 
But they you don't really get that too much. Like we talked about, oh, Joker was really cool. Mm-hmm. They then then sequel. Musical. Yeah, and not any like a, a fucking sequel with uh, Lady Gaga in it. Yeah, I was like, ah. No, I do want a sequel to Robert Pattinson Batman. Yeah. Detective Batman. I want full detective, not young detective Batman. Mm-hmm. I want like he's good detective now. Yeah, yeah. He's a little bit more seasoned now. He has a little bit better because I did. I did like that a little bit in the first one of like a Batman yeah. quite not knowing exactly figuring uh, it out. Yeah, figuring it out. I want Brad Pitt seven, but Batman. Batman. That's what I want with a little with a little Robin running around, just this little kid that has to deal with all this fucking horror show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be fun. Uh, but anyway, we got to get to this episode. That's should've super late. The, we should have made this the episode, but yeah, yeah. we got to hurry this up now. Because, again, we're running late because I... Well, I have a good reason. I've been writing. Writing? How dare you? But we'll talk about that in just... I don't forget how long the intro is, but 37 seconds, let's say. Some seconds. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Guatemalan gobbledygooker church. Oh, gobbledygook. The old gobbledygooker, huh? That's a good classic mm. throwback from the 90s, not the yeah. 80s. That was the 90s when everything was cartoony and stupid. Yeah. Hector Guerrero, I believe, was the uh, man in the, the gobbledygooker <laughs> suit. Uh, R.I.P. Hector Guerrero. He was a hell of a wrestler and should not have been playing that gimmick. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, today's sponsor, you know what I want to talk about? What's that? I'm touching my knob. That's what. Oh yeah, about. touch some knobs. I I feel like your knobs. I I'm, I'm touching them the wrong way. You I I've been saying this for a, quite a while, Caleb. <laughs> Jesus, now your knob got touched too hard. Okay, so I think we talked about this before. But we can talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Burnout, man. Burnout. But I'm having a more mature burnout. burnout. I'm yeah. having a different kind of burnout. So you've asked me, Caleb, how are you, how's the Divine Comedy going? How's Don, Qu- Don Quixote going? Yeah. How's the fucking any of this reading shit going? Poorly. Poorly. But not for the reasons it used to go poorly. I would say once every year and a half, two years, I hit a spot where it's just like, oh, I fall off the cliff and I don't even feel like reading anymore, yeah. right? That is not what's been going on. I want to read and I enjoy the time I do read, but I've actually been just more preoccupied doing other stuff. Yeah, busy doing writing stuff. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of writing, though the burnout is it hits me after work. So mm. when I get home the night, it's really hard to write or edit yeah. or do anything. So that's where my struggle's coming in. But it's not the same kind of burnout I used to have where it's like, I can't do nothing anymore. I'm not going to the gym. I'm not fucking reading. I'm not writing. Can't even watch TV. Can't even touch my dingle. Yeah. Can't do nothing. No. It's the kind of burnout where I'm just like, I'm really tired. But I have the drive. Yeah. So we were talking uh, off air about our writing progress. And you finally got your fucking bitch ass yes, up so in yeah. writing. Uh, you just did a submission today. Today. And I did a submission today. Today. Not the same submission. So that's progress, man. Yes. I finished a short story today. And I've uh, And I've started a another short story for another com- commission yesterday. Very nice. But here's the thing. How do we keep this train rolling? How do we keep from the actual burnout coming in and fucking wiping us out, turning us, reducing us to ash, and just leaving us a wasted human? I think what we need to do is be more proactive as we've been 
with finding these places that we really want to submit to. Because I feel like that has, at least for me, helps of like, yeah, I should be writing because just because I should be writing. But when now, like, goal. I have a goal, and then there's also a deadline for that goal to be set to to make sure that it's submitted by, which I, you know, feel help, you know, helps. What really got me motivated was this last submission I did was a uh, like it was one that it's a theme submission and it's updated, mm-hmm. so you only have a certain amount of slots that your story, like, right. if you're writing your story on a specific theme. You only have a certain amount of slots mm-hmm. available. So you want to get it in there. In my case, only three slots. And they update it so you know what's getting filled. And all of a sudden, mine went from three open slots to just one open so slot in like a couple in. days. And I was like, well, I got to finish this fucking yeah. story or I wasted my time. And then right. I'd have to reconfigure it for a different theme. Don't want to do that necessarily. So that's a good motivating factor. I think it's really important to find whether it's journals, anthologies. Uh, see, my thing is like the literary journals, they take so long and I write stories for them, but I don't write them specifically for them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I come across the contest that has a theme and I'll write something for that or I come across the journal or magazine that wants a specific story, again, a theme. So maybe if the idea suits me, I will write something for that. But I find the anthologies have been really getting me because you get motivated because there's other people in them that you yeah. can actually, like, at least the ones we've been submitting to, that you could talk to these people. Yeah. Or you could find out their, like, for Horoscope, I was in, you know, I'm in a group now with all the other writers from Horoscope, and they're always talking about their submissions and what they're doing. I was like, well, fuck, I'm a little competitive, so I'm like, I'm fucking do yeah. more than them. They're doing this. Why, I'm not, why am I not doing this, you right. know? And I'm not one of those competitive people that I'm not happy for you if you succeed. Mm. I just, like, I want to succeed, too. Yeah, I want to be up there with you. Yeah, so... I think that's that's been helping a lot. The reading thing, the main problem is I just, you know, I was reading Don Quixote and I was loving it. Mm-hmm. And then I finished book one and then I had to read that fucking zone one. Yeah. And that fucking derailed me because I hated it so much. It derailed me. And then I was like, I got to pick up steam again. And I started reading Don Quixote and it's just like on and off. I just couldn't really focus. And then I was like, well, now I'm behind because you and Bryce are reading uh, the Divine Comedy, which I didn't even start. Uh, so the other day I started, I probably made it to like the second canto or whatever, but it's just like, God damn it, this is a big fucking book yeah. too. So now it's like I got myself in a bit of a hole and I still haven't hit my yearly reading goal that I set and I'm not going to hit it now, but I'll, you know, I'll get close, but it's just like, cause I still got Paradise Lost next. Yeah. And that's a fucking. And, <laughs> and is that the last one out of the big? No, then I have the biggest one is Ulysses. Yeah. Well, the most challenging one. So it's like, God damn. And I got the Cambridge edition that's, you know, the size of my oh, is that what is that what you're going to actually read? Yeah, I figure that's the best way to understand it. I, I bought a specific stand so I could read it. <laughs> it's like one of these things for the laptop thing, but way bigger. So I need to get my shit in gear with the reading. But I, now that I just finished a story and I do not have another story idea that I'm mm. going to be working on. Hopefully, I don't see anything that tickles my fancy yeah. for at least a week because I still got my novel I need to get back to. True, I've been true. A, I took such a long hiatus on it because I've been doing all these submissions. But I feel that now that I have a little bit of wiggle room writing wise, I can get back to just like an hour straight of reading mm. every night because that's what I you know I used to do is I'd read an hour or two a night. But lately, it's been like ten minutes, right? 20 minutes, and then I fall asleep because again and, the burnout. And then again, then you can still do put like. You know, you have uh, you put an hour of reading aside, but you can also put like a an hour for your writing of either for you know 
for your novel, if you don't find any other places you want to submit to, just mm-hmm. to help keep the writing flow going as well, because you, then you don't want to, you know, because that's a struggle. You don't want to get into a, you know, you were in a good writing flow, but not a reading yeah. state. Well, then you don't want to get too much that into good reading tough. and then not get any writing done. Well, that's where I was for a while, where I was reading a lot. Yeah, that's Even where... just last month, I was reading voraciously, but I was not writing very much, yeah. if at all. I found what helps me lately, we were talking off air, is I've been writing on my phone a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it gives me the same feeling as when I was, you know, just writing my novel by hand because it like no grammarly or no distractions and the spell checks not on yeah. there. Like, cause I'm just, and, and mainly the thing is like, oh, an idea comes to me. And if I'm at work or something, I just take a quick second and just write down the idea or, oh, that's a good sentence. That's a good. And then I found I was able to get a 5,000 word story out in a couple of weeks by just right. writing in that style. Uh, I mean, it's not ideal if you wanted to do something very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's it's a longer process, but because generally when I'm writing, I like to write in chunks. Yeah. But I found that like for some of the short stories, at least I, that that's helpful. It's like it's the total progress that really matters. And then like the editing phase is usually where I shine anyway, because that's what I really write. Mm. Like the first draft is just the skeleton. So I'm just like trying to get it together. But once the puzzle pieces are in place, I can really fuck with it. Right. And I'm saying ten too with that on your phone too, like if people who are like, might not be into that. It could be like a good way of at least getting like the bare bones or the the outline of whatever you're working on. So then at least then when you go to work, actually work on it, you have that to go off of, and you're you're not starting from scratch because, as we stated before, that's one of the hardest parts is the getting started phase. Yeah, you can fix a shitty story. You can't fix nothing. Yeah. Like, if there's a blank page, you can't fix that. But if you wrote a story, even if it's just the guy walked down the street, he saw a dead body, the body burped and gas came up and blood came out, like, whatever it is, you can work with that. Mm -hmm. But you can't work with, you know, if there's nothing on the page. As this year winds down, I am happy. For the first year since I think we've started this podcast, I'm excited to do the yearly recap. Yeah. Not for the book stuff, but for the writing stuff. Okay, yeah. Like, to be able to, you know, talk about, like, you know, what my goals were for the year. This mm. is the first year. I was like, oh, I might actually hit them or close to it. Yeah. So that's if, exciting. Or maybe not hit a goal that you might have had set, but accomplish something that you didn't even think. Yeah, I've done, I've done that, too. But we'll wait. We'll wait for that. That's our uh, New Year's. But I want to get more writing done uh, anthology-wise, I think, because that just seems, I mean, not just because it's working, but that just seems to be the best motivator for me right now. Because the literary journals, it's just like, even if I get accepted to something, I was like, a lot of them are online and I don't really give a fuck. I want print journals. And and I feel like that's a good networking skill as well. Yeah. Uh, Especially of like these people who run their own thing. And if we, you know, and they've all seemed to be nice people that we've come across of so far, you know, not yeah. knock on wood. So like you said, that helps with the community. So like if we ever do like in the past, we were talking about doing our own collection or, or anything like that, that now we might have, have some avenues to go down. We, we Not only that, yeah, of like questions of like, you know, if we have a question about something, we have people that we might have that could help us answer those questions or prepare us, you know, for things down the line. Well, fuck, at this point, we've made friends with publishers and whatnot. Yeah. We could just might be able to get them to do something. But, no, fuck, what was I going to say, Spencer? Butt sex, trophy wife, big tits. Yeah. 
Tits. Did I say tits? Tits. Tits. What about the tits? Tits. 27 minutes later. Tits. Oh, um, but here's here's another thing too, like going back to just the anthologies and uh, even just some of like going through indie presses and stuff. And mainly this just goes straight to genre fiction. Mm -hmm. I've been published by some literary journals and nobody's reading it. It's it's almost like I just published it myself on a website nobody goes to because I I don't hear anything. Mm -hmm. Like one of my stories, it got some feedback, but it's one of those sites where it's almost like mandatory that the people on because it's like a writing community site. So it's like, oh, they had they always try to give feedback to every story. So I was like, that's not real. Yeah. Uh so to be able to actually hear positive reviews and see read positive reviews on Goodreads of one of my stories, like that's what I got with the the horoscope, is people are actually reading that and buying that. Well then you've also had your story mentioned in what was it? Wasn't it on Amazon? Like reviews yeah. of the thing? The, like your stories got brought up and stuff like that. Yeah, so. my story got brought up as one of the favorites well, of multiple people's reviews. Well, and I think what that is is because I think like with like the genre stuff, is that where you getting people who are reading that are just fans and enjoy whatever genre that it is that you're writing in to where whenever you get to like the literary thing, I feel like that's almost kind of almost like writers and press trying to impress other writers artsy people yeah, yeah. E- editors or what like you know what i mean the, the, a lot we, of as we said before the whole like smelling your own farts kind of thing a lot of that stuff the fart smelling and all that what it usually boils down to is a gaseous vapor <laughs> what it usually boils down to that smells of sulfur is if you have a name people like to say they read that work or they read that story mm. because it's from that name yeah. so they go oh yeah i read um i, I read colson whitehead mm. you know it makes you it's like going old school i read james joyce like oh you, you're a snobby intellectual mm, yeah. basically so that's where a lot of that comes from it's it makes you wonder if they even like the work or they yeah. even care about the actual work they're reading, or they just like to say, I'll read the New Yorker, I'll read the Paris Review. And that's if they even actually read it instead of just having it. Yeah, I think a lot of them just have it, or maybe they uh, scan it. But the anthologies and the genre stuff, like I get real feedback from it, from people I don't know, that's an important thing, people you don't know, but also what's important is the people we do know who don't read literary fiction, because mm-hmm. I don't know anybody other than right. some of us, you know, like me and Bryce and Ashley and you, ever read literary fiction really so we actually can have people read our stuff and want to read our stuff yeah. because it's a genre thing that they like so and, and if it is like a literary fiction that we are reading that people may like it's older literary fiction yeah. nothing like nothing any shit. new and the thing is i i mean it's not like i write in a literary style necessarily but i don't write in a genre specific style mm. So when I get accepted into these genre things, I do get to have a little bit of a literary flair that usually has my work stand out uh, slightly above some yeah, of the makes other you, ones. Yeah, it makes you, uh, like you said, stand out or, or a difference. Too. It's different. It doesn't mean it's better. It just It's different. So like a lot of it the people... better. <laughs> better. But like a lot of the people that, you know, in the reviews I read that liked my story... A lot of them mentioned the the way it was written, the style of writing. So I was like, that's cool because that's what I'm going for. So I have that to enjoy. And I would like to uh, touch on some sci-fi next because, Mm, you know, got the horror out of the way. Uh, The thing I just submitted was fantasy. So maybe the next thing to uh, you submitted to a sci-fi anthology, I think. Or no, it was a website. Yeah, it was a website. Magazine or something. But that was a while. That was last year, I think. 
But yeah, the that's a tough one to get. I thought you know horror is kind of a tough one to get into as well because there's such a a big market. But then the same thing when you have a big market, you need more content. Yeah. So it's hit or miss. But sci-fi, I don't know. I haven't I haven't played in those waters enough to know if I could really swim. You know, I don't know if I am a good enough sci-fi writer to be able to make it because I have the ideas. Yeah. But do I can I write that style? Where another one style I know I can write that I would re- really enjoy that I just never I messed around with but never really got into was uh like noir stuff. Yeah, right, crime because that's fun and it's easy to write yeah. because it's just a lot of yeah, see, shoot mm. you in the face, see, you know, a lot of jerks and you know big pants up to the nipples. Yeah. And my my only problem is when I a lot of times I tap out of a noir story. I was uh, like I start and I just it doesn't go anywhere. Not for the mystery, not because of um you know any difficulty in the writing of it where i fall you know where i i fail is the time period yeah i always want to revert to before cell phones before technology old school noir because that's the stuff i like to read and it's easier to write because you know you don't have the stupid contrivances of oh he has a phone he could just call someone or modern noir like a Nicholas Obergon style noir i find that's challenging now would would you consider that noir or just crime crime noir i mean that's what his books came up on when i looked them up on the because i because i just almost feel like noir is like part of noir is that old time setting well like you know what i mean but remember you have like cyberpunk noir too it's it's like the atmosphere not so much the because sin city true sin city is written in a way where is it modern or not yeah you don't actually know it's it feels more modern, but then like the cars they're driving and the way they're acting and the weapons they're using, you're like wait, this is thirties or is this the two thousands? Like you don't know. Oh, you know, like great version of it is the fucking the the nineties uh, Batman animated series. Yeah, because they had like those old cars and cell phones and buildings, but then the, but there's blimps and but the, there's also the kind of cell phones sometimes. Like, you know, <laughs> and like it's like what's going on here? What's happening? Is there a computer or not a computer? <laughs> It's just like I don't want to use that as a crutch because I know a couple authors who they refuse to write anything after the 90s, like time period wise, because, you know, well, I just like to write stories set in the 80s or the 70s. Like, that's fine. But is it because you don't know how to handle the technology and how it affects the plot points? Mm. Because now you always have to work around that. How do you do that in a natural way? I find like even in my novel, I was like. I realized that I did not include cell phones into the beginning of this, and these are supposed to be 20-year-olds now. Right. What the fuck? I didn't mention any kind of social media. As as my friend's son, who just turned 11, got his first cell phone. (laughs) That's late for a lot of kids. Right? (laughs) So (laughs) that's where I, I, I come up with, like, a lot of the stories I write, I just don't even go into it thinking of time period necessarily, unless it's, you know, like my fantasy stories, ancient times or right. sword and sorcery stories. This is set then or sci-fi in the future. But a lot of just like anytime I'm writing something that just comes off as contemporary, I always go, wait a minute. I didn't even use any kind of cell phones or anything as I'm writing it on my computer or on my cell phones. Like, why didn't I incorporate this at all? Is it strange for the reader to read this story and not have those elements in it? I think it would be for young readers. For yeah. people like us, maybe not. I think it would be weird if you don't make a, like, somehow tell them or show them, like, that it's set into an older time period. Yeah. Like, if you have them not using that stuff, like the technology, but without finding a way to let them know that it's in a time where yeah. it's not as 
uh, usable, like, you know? Well, the way I go into it is I just don't mention it, and I, w- I don't mention it because if it didn't exist in this world in this time period, why True. would it be a thought? It's not. True. It would make sense for me to be like, and there weren't computers because it was the 80s, you know? Well, I mean, just as in, like, um, maybe, like, you know, because, like, sometimes people, like, when they're, when they're starting things up, they 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 mention of, like, you know, the summer of 86, like, you know what I mean, yeah. or some, something like that. Um, I mean, well, but, Stephen King does that a lot in his yeah. stories. He'll just mention the date real quick, and then there you go. That's the easy way to do it. Uh, another thing that I think is funny because this is something we've both talked about before. How weird is it still, for some reason, mainly just probably because we both read older fiction generally, and even by older, I mean even just like nineties, early two thousands fiction. How weird is it when you read a story that incorporates YouTube, TikTok? Like yeah. they mention these things. Like, what? This is I don't, uh, like yeah. It, I always have a reaction, like a guttural reaction to it, like a visceral reaction. Where I'm like, oh, TikTok. And then I'm like, well, that's a thing that exists. Man. Why wouldn't that be in here? For books, it's weird. Like if for books, like I've noticed it. I don't have so much a relax reaction. For me though, it's whenever it's in comics and they try to like have like. You know, it's YouTube instead of, you know, because they can't say yeah. it's, you, you know, YouTube because of the copyrights or whatever. But, you know, they, they try to have like a Twitter or a thing or something on there. And it's just like, man, for some reason, I feel like it, it ages poor, more poorly mm. in like the comics and stuff than it does in like in, in like prose work for some reason. I, I don't know why. Well, do you find in your stories you tend to either incorporate like cell phones and social media or do you tend to just ignore that? And is if you do ignore it, is it purposeful or you yeah. just uh, afterthought like you just didn't think of it? I mean, I can't really think of a story so much where I've where I've used it, but again, like yeah, I don't think it has ever been like purposely like. Uh, I like to think as if I was writing something, I'd be like, oh well, maybe I could use this cell phone, or maybe you know, mm-hmm. if I do, I'm just like, oh, the cell phone's dead. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. He's always dead. Well, it's like my novel. We're at a service or something. Which you know what isn't a fast fresh for how shitty cell phone companies are now that yeah. to just randomly be out of service or something. That is true. Well, like my novel that you know I mentioned, like oh shit, I I need cell phones in this. It doesn't make sense. These kids aren't having so- using cell phones. I'm <laughs> just sitting there thinking, it's like. Yeah, I have to incorporate text messages in here because that's how couples talk now. That's okay. how I talk with my yeah. wife most of the time. That's how we communicate is we fucking text each other when we're not around each other. We don't call each other. I'm not sitting there going, well, I got to send the missus a telegram real yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got hit by car. Stop. At hospital. Stop. I need you to pay the money. Stop. You 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 should uh you should start sending text messages like that just because like I she I'm imagining Mindy might not even know what telegrams are. So she oh. have no idea what you're even fucking doing, but it'd still be funny just for you. It would. Well, here's a here's a sickness. This came up a couple weeks ago. Maybe you sent it to me. I saw some videos and I investigated because it's what I do and it turns out this is a thing. The new generations think that there's something wrong with us for using punctuation in our text messages they Mm. feel that it is like us scolding them or being too formal or something like you're just for putting like a period really or no i don't even know about the emojis but just saying you know like hey i'll be i'll pick you up later and you put a period they find that as a microaggression 
Why? How? What? Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, are you fucking... Look it up, people. I'm not making this up. Like, yeah, I mean, I could see, like, you put, like, a whole bunch of, like, exclamation no, points. No, no, no. Like, you know, like, that episode, like, Elaine from yeah. that episode of Seinfeld. But, like, no. just by, like, having, like, a like a period or, yeah, like, a think- comma that's a micro, just because they don't know how to use a period? I don't know. And then that's the funny thing is, when I was looking it up, it's like, okay... They don't want you using periods. They, they think it's a problem for whatever reason. But then, like, their excuse is, well, language evolves. Why, though? Like, why are you not using punctuation? Or is that what school's going to start teaching soon? It's like, yeah, don't use periods. Is that what books are going to become? We just don't use punctuation? Because now we're just with some postmodernist assholes again yeah. where it's just like, run on sentence forever. He's going to say, so, like, how, yeah, is it just one long sentence? Or is it, like, you, a sentence, a message? It explains modern poetry, don't it? I fuck if I know, dude. Do you use commas and periods and M dot? No punctuation. Just everything. Just line break, line break, line break. Fuck off. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, no. because it's line break, <laughs> line break. Eat a dick, line break. I was line break in at the mall and line break. Shitting my brains up, yeah. line break. This is, ugh, sorry, that makes me mad. But I, yeah, the text message thing, I was like, is this a lot of it? I was like, is this for real or are they just. Are they just like making up controversy? Because a lot of places make up controversy, but there was enough backing, uh, people backing this idea, this notion that periods and yeah, I don't say I don't remember sending this to you, so you must have stumbled upon this by by yourself. Fucking, I flipped a biscuit. Yeah, because like as a writer, it offends me. As a reader, it offends me. And just a human who has some intellect, it offends me. Because, like, sometimes, I mean, like, I'm not all the time, like... It's fine not to use them in a text message. Like, yeah. oh, be there soon, or just, okay, yeah. Yeah. no period, whatever. It's like, hey, meet you at the gym. You don't have to have a period. We yeah. know what you're saying. It's, you know, communication... But, but like, anytime I'm, if I'm writing, like, a bigger... Me- a bigger message, I do try to... Especially now, because, like, there's fucking... Most cell phones now will fucking tell you when you need to put like a yeah. comma or a, or a period or a question mark in there now anyway it's got your way to misspell words and shit yeah but i don't understand like okay i get the the whole like uh, it's fine if you don't use punctuation in your text whatever that's what you want to do who cares it's the fact that you think it's like aggressive if someone does yeah or it makes them old-timey somehow it's like who gives a fuck why are you f- that's one thing i always wonder is like why do these people focus so much on this shit like, you don't have anything to get upset about now, so periods and text messages is what's doing it for you. So it's like the it's the younger kids that are... I believe so. The ones who think millennials talk too slow. <laughs> I didn't send I've you been... those messages or those reels either, but... Which is funny because, like, when we were younger, it was always, slow the fuck down, you ADDP. Yeah. Like, you know, like, something like... Well, it makes sense because their videos that they watch have a time limit. True, yeah. It's like a three... If there's, like, a three-minute TikTok or whatever... That's it, long. Yeah, like, I, I think Reels does it, too. They have, like, Instagram TV or some shit. Like, they have longer-form versions. Because I remember, so like, sometimes I'll catch one on, like, Reels, and I'm like, is it, this has been over, like, a minute. How's this still fucking going? Right. Like, what the hell? Did somebody fucking make a movie on this thing? <laughs> so I can under kind of understand, like, the if that's all you grew up with is, like, the Vine generation to the TikTok generation. True. It's like everything's real quick and snappy. So when they have their story time videos, it's like, I have to talk like this. I have to tell you about when I go into the supermarket. Can you believe the guy got shot right in the face? And holy fuck, it was amazing. But then I guess the millennials would be like, I went to the supermarket, and it was like, dreary out and at a time I should, I don't listen to my wife tell a story it's like, <laughs> you don't need that minute details 
And then you know who I ran into? Uh, Barb from where did she work? What's her birthday again? What year was she born? And they're like, no, I guess the fuck is she part into the story? Not at all. Not even in the story. <laughs> fuck Barb. So anyway, that's my piece. I think period. I don't know where we started, but I don't think periods in, uh, you know, any kind of punctuation used in text messaging is offensive. No. I will stand and die on that hill. I won't die on any hill. There's no. very few hills. I, maybe none. I might, not, I might even climb the fucking Imagine hill. if you started, like, throwing, like, semicolons and shit in there. I will do that if I befriend a Z or <laughs> Zoomer. I think Zoomer is the perfect name for them because these Gen Z have turned into boomers. Yeah. Like, they're just like very... Like a weird version of boomers? Yeah, they're just, like, like the bitching about millennials talking too slow. Like, they just bitch about the stupidest things. And it's like, you're just a boomer, but with the Z. Well, this okay. So, like I just said, my friend's son had had his eleventh birthday party the other day of, of recording of this episode, and so like you happy know, birthday, yeah. Um, so some of his grandparents and stuff because they're older, they you know got him a birthday card, you know, and stuff, and you know would actually write into the birthday card, and like somebody asked him, oh, like what's it say, and he's like, I, I it's in cursive, I. I can't. Like, yeah. Oh. And then like, and then like, oh yeah. wow. But then I go. But then I think like it's like writing in a different language to them. Yeah. But then, but then I go and I think about like I do also have sometimes covered trouble reading things in cursive. So, or, you know, like you know what I depends mean. Depends on the person's handwriting. Depending yeah. on the person's handwriting, and be like, what's that letter supposed to be again? Because like you know, like outside your name that you just are just you know gets burned into your brain and how to write. It's like. How often are you using that? Well, look, I'm writing my novel in cursive, and I'll admit it. I don't think I do the Z, Z's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just don't do, I do the, the fucking, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Billy Madison Z's. Just like, <laughs> it's just squiggling. <laughs> it's not right. And then, and then, like, my mom would, like, write me, like, a note, like, on a sticky pad or something, you know, for me or whatever. And will fucking make me think I'm having dyslexia or something like that. Because, like, I will be in cursive. And then the beginning, like the W of will would be in print, but then it's cursive I L L. I'm just like, I'm, what's going on with my brains and my eyes right now? Like, w ill? Yeah, like, look, what, what's happening right now? Like, she'll switch from cursive to printing, not only from word to word, but sometimes in the middle of a word. Like, just, ah, my eyes. Like, what's going on? That's just poor bandmanship. <laughs> so, Spencer, that's where we are. In that's this where day. we're at. Yeah, that's where we are. Uh, I guess we can end it. We talked enough. That's enough talk for today. Read, write, do arithmetic, whatever you gotta do. Closing in on 40 minutes. That's a. Oh, man, my back hurts. Ooh, ooh, that feels good. That feels real good. That feels real good. In summation. Summation? Punctuation's fine. I just. I and what was the thing that we talked about in the beginning of the episode? Yeah, how kids are jerks. Bad, they stupid, and they smell like fans. No, it was about after, right after the Marvels. Oh, yeah, about, yeah. Who cares? It's over. Yeah. We're done. They're at the end. If you want to check out stuff on stuff. And things. And things. Uh, at DPW Podcast. Just Google it. Google you can go to at Caleb, J- not at, just CalebJamesK.com. I got a website. There's stuff on there, too. Things. Spencer Church, he, is, I don't even remember your name. The Guatemalan gobbledygooker. Gobbledygookin. He's gobbledygookin. Is that a verb? You can gobbledygook? Mm, well, you have to pay to find out. You have to pay to gobbledygook. Uh, we thank you for listening. I'm going to go eat a pound of meat. The heater's blasting, so I don't know how loud that is. But thank you for listening. 
Next week, I think we have an actual guest. Again, for the people who are a fan of guests. Yeah, I would announce him proper, but I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he is doing the 90th anniversary of the Lone Ranger, I believe. Um, so when he listens to this episode, like, those fucking guys. Uh, goddamn assholes. To be fair, we've been getting inundated with guest requests, so it's like I, I get them mixed up a lot. But then once I talk to you, I remember you forever. Yeah. Except for one guy. He knows who he is, but I don't. <laughs> Hey, Caleb, you wanted to see me? Ah, Spencer, my good fellow. I've been expecting you. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so did you want something or... Want? Goodness, no. Require. Require? Yes. I require your services for the briefest of moments. Okay. Surely you can see the predicament I'm in. Well... Actually, no, I can't. I lost my glasses at the pub last night. A pub, you say? Surely you can't be serious. As serious as a fart during a recto, because I am. And stop calling me Shirley. Rightio. Anyway, if your spectacles were affixed upon your face, you'd see that I, the host of the most prodigious writing and books podcast in the business, has been immobilized by a rather substantial stack of fallen folios. What? My to-read pile finally fell on me while I was taking a nap. But you're on a podcast table. I hardly see how that matters. And you're naked. I hardly see how that matters. Dude, your hairy ass is touching my drink coaster. I hardly see how that matters. It matters to me. Can you just unbury me? No way. Your reckless reading got you into this mess. Blockhead! Wait! Don't go! There's a copy of War and Peace wedged in my taint! Spencer! Can you at least leave me a bottle of whiskey? Hello? Can't get enough drunken nonsense? Listen to new episodes of the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast every Tuesday wherever you get your pods.